Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. Good morning, everyone. If you don't know me, my name is Dave, uh, Dave Young. I'm one of the associate pastors here, and I'm here to introduce our guest speaker this morning. His name is Scott Slingo. Scott's from a group called Christians Against Poverty. Now, hopefully, all Christians are against poverty, but Scott works for an organisation specifically focused on um, ways for Christians to help alleviate poverty. We're just going to pray first now for Scott and their ministry, and then I'll bring you the Bible reading and hand over to Scott. So let's all join together in prayer. Our Father God, we just want to say thank you this morning. We want to say thank you for people who take your word seriously. Thank you for groups like Christians Against Poverty and all the work that they do. So we thank you, Lord, for, for Scott, who has made himself available to travel down here to share with us today. We ask your blessing on him, on his family, and especially on his work and his ministry. We also ask you to speak to us today. Open our hearts to hear from you. Speak to us through your word, through the message that Scott has to share with us. Lord, teach us to live the way you want us to. Teach us to understand, but also to obey. And may our lives and our church bring glory to you each and every day. Amen. The Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 58. If you, um, it'll be on the screen behind me, but it, you can also open your Bible and follow along. And if you don't have a Bible, at the um, end of some of the rows, there's a little basket full of Bibles. And um, we very much value the importance of God's word in this church. So if you don't have a Bible at all of your own and you would like one, please take one of those out of the basket and take it home as a gift. Um, we'd love you to read it and be inspired, be taught, be encouraged by the promises of God's word. And Isaiah chapter 58 is a fantastic chapter. That's what we're reading today, just verses 6 to 14. So follow along with me and I encourage you to... This is like many passages in the Bible is a, is a challenge from God accompanied by an awesome promise from God. So let's read together Isaiah 58, starting at verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them? and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry, and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins, and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, Restorer of streets with dwellings. And if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, 
and from doing as you please on my holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honourable, and if you honour it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Please welcome Scott. Okay, well, we're on. That's always a good start. You can hear me. Uh, well, thank you, everyone, for the opportunity to be with you today. And thank you to the worship team. What a great time of worship that was. Do we all agree? Yeah, so good. And um, it's always good to remind ourselves that God is always bigger than our circumstances. And uh, we may have come to church today with different needs, different issues, different challenges that we're facing. But what is so important for us to remind ourselves about is we've got a big God who cares for each and every one of us. And he is going to do some amazing things in our lives. So worship is so, so powerful, isn't it? We come and give him the due order that he deserves, even though sometimes we are facing enormous challenges and things that are working against us. We know that we have a God who really, really does care. Um, it's great to be here in Melbourne. Uh, my wife, Catherine, and I came down for the weekend. We have come to, uh, well, to enjoy Melbourne. We've come to enjoy the food, the culture, uh, a game of AFL football last night. Are there any Western Bulldog supporters here today? There are a couple. You were robbed yesterday, seriously robbed. Um, and, of course, we've come to uh, experience the, the world-renowned Melbourne weather, uh, which, which has turned on us very quickly. But uh, we're having a great time, and it's really good to be here today. Uh, my role at CAP is um, I'm the partnership director, so I oversee all of our fundraising, our new church partnerships, and our communications for our ministry. We have a team of over 30 people working in our head office uh, in Newcastle, in New South Wales, the capital of New South Wales, that place just above that little place called Sydney. Um, and uh, we have over well, 350 churches that partner with CAP across our country as well. So we're a national ministry. So it's very, very exciting to be with you here today. In my previous life, I worked as a, a general insurance broker. I ran my own business. And, uh, but I was introduced to CAP about six years ago, and it literally changed my worldview on everything. I knew nothing about poverty. I knew nothing about CAP in Australia. But I went to a fundraising dinner one night. The one thing I did know that I was going to have to do that night was to give some money. That's all I knew. Uh, and, but I learned so much that night. I learned a lot about poverty in our country. And it shocked me. It really shocked me. I didn't realise that many of our fellow Aussies are doing it tough right now. I just didn't realise it. And so over a period of four or five years, God worked on my heart. And in 2016, 2017, I just when I've got, to, I've got to leave my job and my career and my own business because I want to go and serve the poor in this country. And the one question people often ask me is, Scott, do you regret leaving the comforts of your own business and the money and all the other bits and pieces to go with that? And I, I just say no. Because when I see people's lives transformed in a really powerful way, it means everything to me. Um, I call it my leaving the fish and my nets on the beach moment where Jesus said, come and follow me. And that's what we've done. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit today with you, take you on a bit of a journey about poverty in Australia. What does it look like? I also want to talk to you today about 
why I believe the church is the solution for poverty in our country. Uh, You may not have ever thought about that, but the church is the solution for poverty. I want to talk a little bit about what CAP does and how we partner with churches and how we reach into people's lives in a very practical way right across our country. And then towards the end, I'm going to explain some ways in which you can help join the fight against poverty in our nation as well. I hope that's okay. Are we all still awake? That's a good start. That's a good start. All right, so we're going to read our first passage today, and it's from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8. Um, I'm going to quote this from a different translation, but you will still follow it here. It's, um, this is the story of Hannah. Everyone knows the story of Hannah. She couldn't have kids. She was very much loved of her husband, but the fact she couldn't have kids really got her down. Um, uh, she had someone taunting her, ridiculing her because she couldn't have children. And so she got herself into a very serious and desperate state. She um, felt worthless. She struggled with her own identity. But again, she called upon God. Out of her bitterness and out of her desperation, she called upon him and she said, help my circumstances. And, And God did. And God gave her an amazing son called Samuel who, as we all know, uh, became a very, very influential prophet in the land of Israel at the time. It was a great story. But it doesn't finish there. She went on to have three more sons and two other daughters. And I, I just, I, I get so happy about stories like that because God is in the business of total life transformation. He, he, he wants to see our lives transformed. And this is a part of her, I guess, her prayer that she, she has. And it's here it says... I'll read this in a different translation. He puts poor people on their feet again. He rekindles burnt out lives with fresh hope, restoring dignity and respect to their lives, a place in the sun for the very structures of the earth's are God's. Hannah had this insight into God's heart and God's nature and What she identifies here are two things. The first thing is that God wants to take people out of poverty. And as we're going to see today, poverty isn't just a financial issue. It's actually a spiritual issue. But not only does God want to take us out of poverty, God wants to elevate people. God wants to bring people into a place of honour and dignity. And so when we look at that, it is a total transformation that God is talking about. And and that's what I love about God. He doesn't do half a job. He does a complete, beautiful, miraculous work in people's lives. And as as the verse reads, he doesn't want to see people stuck in this state of poverty. So from an Australian perspective, what, what does poverty look like today? I think when we use the term poverty, most of us have an image in our mind. I know mine is is an African child, for example, that comes across the screen often. You just see that image of a a young African boy with sunken eyes and bloated stomach. and, And that is a very good and accurate, I guess, depiction of global poverty. Poverty globally is a huge and challenging issue. We all understand that, don't we? The, the, the issue is immense. And from our perspective, we support and we champion all those amazing ministries and all those amazing people that are serving so faithfully overseas and doing a phenomenal work. But what about here in Australia? 
what does it look like? You see, unlike the image of poverty I just referred to you before, Australia doesn't have an image of poverty. You can't put a a photo up and say that is what poverty looks like. In fact, in Australia, it's more like a painting or a piece of artwork where it has many different elements and facets that all make up a, a grander picture of poverty in Australia. One thing about poverty in Australia is that it is very much behind closed doors. It's not as obvious. And because of guilt and shame, many people hide the fact that they are actually struggling in poverty right now. You may actually know people like that in your world that are struggling in this place. Let me share with you some statistics. They might shock you. Nearly 3 million Australians are living below the poverty line right now. That is one in eight people. It's a pretty high number, isn't it? One in eight people are living below the poverty line. Three quarters of a million children under the age of 15 are living below poverty. What does that look like? They go to school with no food. They go to school with the wrong clothes. Often they don't have the full amount of clothes. Often their clothes are worn out. It means that they often are unable to go on excursions and to do extracurricular activities because they just can't afford that. We've seen that with our clients at CAP, so I can speak that that does actually happen. In Victoria, we're looking at nearly three quarters of a million Victorians are living below the poverty line. That's a phenomenal number. If you go out into the regions, it's actually 15.3% of, of, of the population are living below the poverty line as well. What does it look like? Well, it could be like one of our clients, Josh and Corinne, who were living a normal life until he lost his job and he couldn't get work. And so he started to work on the credit cards and he got himself into overwhelming debt and he couldn't get himself out of that situation. Anxiety filled the house. They didn't know whether they could feed their kids or not. They didn't know whether they could pay the bills. And I'm not talking about Foxtel. I'm not talking about all those things that are a discretionary spend. I'm talking about can we pay the rent or do we feed the kids this week? It's those sort of decisions that they're making. It could be an elderly neighbour who are sitting today in a very, very cold house because they can't afford to pay the electricity bills. Or it could be like one of our mums, our client mums, who had to flee domestic violence for the protection of her and her kids. And she faced that critical decision to say, do I stay in the abuse or do I leave and have a problem with finance? And she made that decision to leave even though she knew she was going to struggle financially. Or it could be a family like any one of ours that the main breadwinner gets sick or has an injury or an accident that renders them unable to work again. And all of a sudden, they, are, they have to struggle to actually just make ends meet. The reality about poverty in Australia is that it is a silent epidemic. It's destroying individuals, it's destroying families, it's destroying communities. And as I said earlier, it's not just a finance issue. It's much deeper than that. It's a spiritual issue. At the very core of poverty in Australia, we often see this same one thing that is is common through all poverty issues in Australia, and that is this, 
people are experiencing loss of dignity. Loss of dignity. They don't feel worth it anymore. They feel like they've failed. And so they begin a negative spiral. The good news about poverty, though, although it's a huge issue, is that there is hope and there is solution to poverty in our country. And it excites me that the church, I believe, is the, is the solution for poverty in our country. The church can and should make a major role and play a major role in seeing transformation across our country. We've already read from Isaiah 58, and I'm going to refer to that in a minute. Some of you may know of a gentleman called Timothy Keller, who's a Christian author and theologian, and he's written a number of books dealing with poverty and the church's role in in alleviating poverty. And in one of his books, he says this, serving the poor, doing justice is the sign that you have been justified by grace. It's not the basis. You're not justified because you are serving the poor. But a heart that is poured out for the poor is the inevitable sign that you have been saved by grace. You see, the very cornerstone of the gospel message is that our justification comes by receiving God's gift of forgiveness through his son Jesus, right? We all know that. We all agree with that. But when Christ died on the cross, he defeated sin. Yet the medal he received for his victory, he's pinned upon each of us as if we have not sinned. And that gives us an image or a picture of what it's like to be saved or justified by grace. We just had the Commonwealth Games, haven't we? And can you imagine running in the 100 metres? Not I couldn't do that. I'm not quick enough. But could you imagine running in the 100 metres and you, you break down before the, you even get started? You don't even get past the starting line. That could be me. And then the race is run and the winner comes up and gets on the, on the podium and, and they give him the, or her the gold medal and say, congratulations, you are the champion. And, and you're sitting there watching and then the winner takes his medal off, comes across to you, who hasn't even started the race, and says, there you go, you are the gold medal winner. Could you imagine what that would be like? Well, in many respects, that's what Jesus has done for us. He has given us his victory, even though we haven't earned it or deserved it. When you read the Old Testament, whether it's Jeremiah, Amos, or Isaiah, they all say that if we are not intensely concerned for the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, or the poor, our hearts are not in alignment with God's heart. It's a very, very powerful thought. I'm not going to read uh, the the verse again. We we read that about Isaiah uh, 58. He was dealing with a wrong that had crept into Israel. They were doing religious things. They were fasting. They were turning up on their feast days. They were doing everything God had asked them to do, and yet something was wrong with their heart because they'd forgotten the poor. They'd forgotten the the vulnerable in their society. And so God was dealing with that issue. And when I read Isaiah 58 now, I I get this idea of, sure, Scott, fasting's great, so is worshipping, so is attending church, so is attending life groups, so is going to youth group. They're all great things. But, but, if you are doing all of these things, but there's no desire to want to help the poor, the, the broken and the marginalised in my heart, then my heart is not right with God's heart. Do you follow that? 
And that's what God was trying to deal with with Israel. He's saying, look, you can be religious and you can do all the things that you do in church, but I want you to go deeper than that. I want you to step out into the poor, into the vulnerable lives of people and lend a helping hand. Jesus did that, didn't he? We consider him, he came into this world to seek and to save the lost, the lame, those in prison, the hungry, those who were trapped under unbearable and unmanageable sin and guilt. People just like us in many cases. He came to save us. And Jesus took all the brokenness, all the poverty, all the world's misery upon himself when he was nailed to the cross. You see, through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection, Jesus changed everything. The world changed when Jesus rose from the grave. Hope was born. The hope that we now have experienced in our lives today. And he is now reflecting this and he's called his church, his people, to live as he did. To reach into brokenness, to step into the, to the gap and to reach into people's lives that are without hope right now and to offer the hope of Jesus Christ in their world. That's why I believe the church is the hope for poverty. You see, there are many good organisations that do debt counselling. They do all sorts of amazing things, yet they don't offer the gospel to people. Poverty is a spiritual issue, right? The church can be equipped to help people practically, but what you guys have is something far more powerful, and that is the good news of Jesus. And you can share that with people, and you can see people's lives transformed. Does that sound okay to everyone so far? We're all still with me? Awesome, awesome. That is really, really cool. The question, though, for many churches is how do we do this practically? How can we reach into people's lives practically? I, I joke a little bit in my previous life. I was in a church where it was very much let's jump out from behind a tree, give a pamphlet and say, come to church and then jump behind the tree again and people go on with life, right? That didn't quite work, obviously. But a lot of churches have a real heart and a hunger and a desire to want to go and reach the poor, but they go, I don't know how. How can we do this? Well, the good news is there are organisations like Christians Against Poverty that are focusing on poverty alleviation and poverty prevention. Our aim is to see the dignity restored to the lives of those who are currently struggling from poverty and its causes in our country. We work and partner exclusively with local churches right across the nation. We provide the services, the training, the support, all of the things, all the technical stuff, we provide that. But what the church provides is the local contacts, connections, and ability to reach into people's lives, into people's worlds. You provide community, you provide evangelism, you provide discipleship, which is so, so important for these people. We have four main services that we, we, we use, and the first one is our, is our CAP debt centres, and we help people who are currently held captive by overwhelming and unmanageable debt. We help them find a way out into a life of freedom. We negotiate with their creditors, we get interest frozen, and we, we, we stop the threatening letters and phone calls to our clients 
because they can't handle that sort of stuff when they've already got so much pressure on them. And we journey with them until they become debt-free. It's a phenomenal service. We also help those who are dealing with long-term unemployment issues. So we have our CAP job clubs. Once again, we train churches to run these programs. So we love these people back into the workforce, basically, and it's a very, very powerful program. And we also have our CAP release groups, which are aiming to help those who are struggling with overwhelming and unmanageable addiction. Australia is a heavily addicted nation. And when addiction ruins your life, it has a phenomenal impact in terms of your finances, making good decisions. And so we want to help people get on top of that as well. But the one I'm really here to talk to you today about is our CAP Money Program, which is our, um, our budget money management course. Let me explain this a little bit to you. CAP Money is a DVD-based program which promotes the use of cash and is facilitated by trained members of our church partners. The course is flexible, and our CAP Money Church partners, and we have over 300 of those right now, run courses in your church, in life group, small group, youth group, whatever, whatever programs you would like to use it in. And our churches also run these programs in the community as well. We have CAP Money Churches running programs in prisons and in schools and in other community programs reaching out into people's lives. We've had over 17,000 Australians do CAP Money Program and 87% of people have said that doing this program has either transformed their life or has made a significant impact in their finances. How many people here, you don't have to put your hand up, but how many people here, just wink or blink or something, um, run a budget? Okay, there's a few blinks and a few winks and a few hands. All right, you'll be surprised that most people don't actually run a budget at all. And, and so that can be quite problematic. Cat money is literally available for anybody. It can help anyone. You don't need to be poor to learn how to budget. It could help people who are sick of living from week to week without having any money to save. It could help those who find it hard to control spending. Actually, spending controls you. Anyone who has a generous heart to support others, the church, community engagement events and other projects, but your generosity and your capacity don't seem to align. I'd love to be able to give more. I'd love to be able to do this. And so cap money can be a good tool to help you be able to do that in your world. And can help anyone who would like to be a better example for their kids, teaching their children how to manage money. It is a great tool for everyone, Christian and non-Christian alike. We could talk a lot about being good stewards of God's money. We could talk a lot about that today, but I don't have time. But the scriptures talk about the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. Just on Friday, we had an email from one of our cap money clients in Perth. Um, they've just gone through our program, and she sent an email saying, I thought I would touch base and let you know how it was going. I learned so much from the CAP course and have started to make some serious changes in my finances. I feel more in control than before. I'm so impressed by the course that now I'm enrolling my son into doing the program as well. Generational help is really, really important. I've also realised now that I have worked through the workbook that I need to get a job, otherwise I will be in debt. 
Would it be possible to meet with a lady who helps with the CVs, etc.? So encouraging, hey, cat money works and works well. That's a great little story from someone who's been struggling managing their money, getting help through this program. The problem is that not managing money well impacts in terms of poverty. And poverty and its causes are now destroying families across our, across our country. Families are being ripped apart. Most of our cap debt clients were feeding their families on less than $8 a day before turning to cap for help. Over 80% of our clients said that their relationships had either suffered or completely broke down because of their financial hardship. But the sad one is that one in three CAP clients came to us, said they had either attempted or considered suicide because of their financial situation. Whew. Talking about loss of dignity. Talking about people getting into a state of no hope. If there's ever the need for the church, it's right now. It's right now to step into these people's lives before it is too late. We are managing over $10 million worth of client debt for over 500 families right now. They're now able to feed their families and pay their bills and pay their debts off at a rate that they can afford. It takes them on average between three and five years to pay off their debt. CAP doesn't pay a cent of their debt. We just empower our clients to pay their debt back at a rate that they can afford. And most of our clients want to pay their debt back. They're not bludgers. They're not trying to avoid responsibility. Most of our clients are going, I know I've made a mistake and I want to deal with it right now. Since we began 17 years ago in Australia, we have seen over 2,700 individuals and families go debt-free, which is phenomenal. 320 people last year went debt-free. And already this year, we've seen over 70 families go debt-free. It's phenomenal, seeing their, seeing their lives transformed. But what we're also very heartened and encouraged about is the fact that we, in that same period, we have also seen over 1,700 people make first-time commitments to Christ because of going through a CAP service and being partnered into a local church. That says a lot about the local church, doesn't it? That says a lot about what the church is able to do. That 1,700 people and their families that have had total transformation in their lives. And that's worth celebrating. That's worth celebrating. Just as we bring things to a close this morning, I'm going to show you a story, one of our client's stories in a moment. His name is Peter. But before I do that, I wanted to give you a, an opportunity today to receive a free gift from us to you. And it's a book called Nevertheless. And Nevertheless is the story of how CAP started over 21 years ago in the UK. It's written by our founder, John Kirkby, who himself experienced debt, family relationship breakdown and poverty. He found Christ in the local church and it transformed his life. And just as he was getting everything back on track again, God said to him, go and serve the poor. And so he used his whole experience of his debt to create this ministry, which has now reached Australia, it's reached the UK, it's reached New Zealand and Canada as well. 
The book is inspiring and it's challenging. And I know for myself, when I read it, it literally opened my eyes to a lot of things. And I know that it will be encouraging to you today. So to get your free copy of the book, nevertheless, all I need you to do is one very, very simple thing. On your seat, you've got some cards. Can someone wave a card at me, please? Excellent. People are still awake. I'm very encouraged by that. Okay. On the, on the left-hand side, it has a My Details section. If you can just complete that section, I've even given you a pen so there's no excuse, um, complete that section and bring it to the stand with my lovely wife who's Catherine up the back and I after the service and we'll exchange this for the book. It is free. We just want to bless you with a copy of that today and uh, we really hope it, it, um, it blesses you as well. While you're doing that, let's look to the screen. I'm going to show you Peter's story. separated about five years after um, we got married, shortly after our children were born. I've got two boys, uh, Andrew was my first son and Nicholas is the second one. At the moment I drive buses for Greyhound Australia. Yeah, everything was alright until uh, I had um, an investment property I got uh, involved in by a company on the Gold Coast. I got notification that the builder had gone broke, had gone bankrupt. It was just awful, it was. Having the child maintenance, living at home, and then the credit card debt was, was coming in, and you know, I had pains in my chest, worrying about where the next dollar was going to come from and all this sort of stuff. And That's when you really start to let go and think, oh, I've, I've just done the absolute best I can and I can't do any more. I did think about suicide. I felt like I was a failure. I felt like lost uh, all my um, self-worth. Yeah, I distinctly remember when I first met Peter, he was discouraged. He, he thought that he should have been in a better place than he was. It became obvious that he had a credit card issue. And then they asked me to get my, my five credit cards out of my wallet. And he, did, he pushed them across to us and, and we actually got a pair of scissors and we cut those up. And they'd done the whole five of them and then and they said, now, how do you feel? And I just sat down like this and I just cried. I'll never forget just the sob that came from Peter because it was like a lifeline for him. And when we cut those, it broke something. And I cried and I cried. And I thought, oh, what have you done to me? This journey for Pete wasn't going to be a quick one. We knew that. It was going to take a lot of time and it has. Obviously, you've got to be vigilant in, in what you're doing and you've got to stick to the budget, you know. And when you've never budgeted, it's very hard to adjust to budgeting because you just don't know about it, you know. She came up with, with ideas that um, I never sort of thought about. Um, so uh, the land went first. My dad would be very disappointed with me, you know, selling something that he, he inherited. It's not something that he bought. It was inherited to him from his father. She said, oh, you're going to have to sell your house. I thought, oh, not my house. I said, I've been here 20 years. I've been paying a mortgage for 20 years. And she said, Peter, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to put it on the market. So, okay, that's what I did. So I had to, I had to give all that up and I had to leave country living to, to city living. Um, I used to deliver hay on my days off to continue to, to 
pay my debt down. I've even done a little budget for my older son, Andrew. He had no idea. He was doing exactly what I was doing, spending the money as quick as you got it. It's taught me something to give to my, to my son. And, uh, you know, you can't sort of say that Cap hasn't done anything for me. They've done just massive things for me. As, as happy as we are that he's on this journey to becoming debt-free, the, the other side of it that just, um, I guess, delights my soul is to see a spiritual connection with Jesus. And Pete's made that connection. He's returned to a faith that he had as a child. I actually recommitted my life back to God because I, I just felt... Um, that I needed God in my life and I can see what God has done. You know, talking to somebody who is coming along, naturally walking into his spiritual journey because something's been taken care of in his natural journey. He didn't have to be forced, it's just the natural next step. And I'm not thinking about dying now like I was and uh, I'm, I'm feeling very happy at this point in time. My debt will be cleared in about four months' time just don't know how life is going to be when I don't have that worry anymore. It's, uh, it's been a journey for so long and uh, I'm really looking forward to that time. They have saved me from possible death, really, um, and I owe my life to Cap. He's, uh, he's such a good guy, Pete, and uh, he is now debt-free. Uh, he knows what it's like to live without that overwhelming burden of debt over his life. And, you know, he's, he's taught his kids some things as well because um, they just followed what Dad did. And so breaking this cycle in our country is so, so phenomenal. Well, I'd love now to give you an opportunity to, to join the fight against poverty in our country and to help restore the dignity in the lives like Peter's. We can all do something. We don't have to leave our jobs to do this, but we can all do something to help. The first thing that I'd love for you to do as a church and as individuals is please pray for our ministry. Um, can you do that for us? Um, because we see some very, very scary things and uh, we are on the front line of people's lives. And so your prayers will make a huge difference when it comes to, to us being able to help others. The second thing you can do is consider how you can continue and, and maybe grow your service of poverty in your local area as well. You guys are doing a great job with your, with your van service. That's phenomenal that you're reaching into people's lives. Keep that, doing that, but keep looking at more ways that you can reach into people's lives as well as a church uh, because it will, it, it will make a big difference in people's lives. Maybe cap money is a good thing for your church. So please, if, if you're thinking, actually, I'd like to be a cap money coach, maybe that could be me, come and talk to your church leaders and say, look, I'd like to look at that. We have some training in Melbourne, I think in May. We're going to train some uh, cap money coaches right across the Melbourne area as well. But even if you go to yourself, actually, cap money program would be good for my family. Please let your leaders know and say, look, this is something we would like to bring into the church. And then your church leaders will certainly get in contact with us and we can help through that process. And finally, another way you can all help us is um, a small regular monthly donation. The fact that for every person like Peter's, there are thousands of people that are, are struggling in a situation that need our help. It, it's, the, the need is enormous. It really is enormous. Last year, we turned away over 700 people 
because we just didn't have church partners in certain areas that we could refer them to the service. And for us, that's not okay. It's not just about the debt. It's about giving people access to the church to have community instead of isolation, to give them hope instead of hopelessness. As an organisation, we do not receive any government funding at all. And we've made that decision because we do not want to stop offering prayer to our clients. And we do not want to stop churches being able to share the hope of the gospel with our clients. We won't do that. Our clients are completely overwhelmed when they find out that the service that they are experiencing is free because thousands of Aussies, mainly Christians across our nation, are paying a small monthly donation to help them. It means the world to some of our clients. It really has a big impact. Let me explain to you two particular giving options that are available to you. The first one is our Life Changer program. We have currently over 3,500 Aussies, individuals, that give a small regular monthly gift. Life Changers give on average $26 a month. For some, that may look like $10 a month. For others, that may look like $40 or $50 a month. For us, it's not about the amount. It's about you doing what, with what you can do with the resources God has blessed you with. But for the cost of one cup of coffee per week, you can make a difference in someone's life like Peter's. It doesn't take that much. So that's our Life Changer program. Our second program is our Vision Sponsor program. And this may be for one person here in the room today or even two. In addition to our life changes, we have nearly 200 individuals that give a minimum monthly donation of $100 a month. And we refer to this group as our vision sponsors. In my role as the partnership director, I actually work very closely with our, with, with our vision sponsors by providing a bi-monthly news bulletin from, from me personally, where I update them with things that are going on behind the scenes. I give them personal insights and access to behind the scenes things with CAP. And I also invite our vision sponsors to join with me in personal prayer projects for our ministry as well. So there are two options. So how can you become a life changer or a vision sponsor even today? Well, the first thing that you can do, I'm going to hold up the card. Most people have hopefully filled out section one and you get your free book. Bring that to the stand and you get your free book. If you would like to become a vision sponsor or a life changer, all you need to do is tick one of the two boxes in purple and circle the amount that you would like to give on a monthly basis to the work of Christians Against Poverty. You can then put your bank account details in there. That's our preferred uh, method of payment. If that doesn't work for you, we also have credit card facilities available. You can put those details there. Bring that to the stand afterwards, and that's all you have to do. We can take care of the rest for you uh, today. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't know how much I'd like to give, or maybe you're thinking, I don't have my bank account details, or I have to check with a partner or a husband or spouse. That's okay. Please complete the card anyway and bring it to the stand. Collect your free book, and then we'll make sure that one of our friendly team call you this week and answer any questions that you have and can help you finalise your gift. It is quite that simple. Well, that concludes my message this morning. I want to say thank you, firstly, for everything you guys are doing in your community. It is really inspiring. Keep up the great work. You are going to make a huge difference in the lives of your, your, your community here. I, I know good things are going to happen. Um, I just pray that God just takes this place to a whole new level. So I come back here in a few years' time and, you know, everything's changed. We've got people coming in the church that have been saved through your community engagement programs. That is really, really exciting. 
Thank you once again for today, and I pray that you have an enjoyable and wet Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Amen. Thank you.